us, and he don't intend for us to give up on him. Amen? Amen? Always stand your ground because Jesus is always standing on the ground right beside you. Amen? And as long as Jesus is for us, the Bible says, what can be against us? Is that right? What can be against us? Help me pray today if you would. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed and so thankful to be in your house today, God. Thankful, Lord, to collectively come together, Lord, as the body of Christ, Lord, to lift you up, to thank you, Lord, not only for this beautiful, beautiful morning that you have given to us, but God, to thank you, Lord, for every day that you have given us. God, you're so good to us. And Father, we just love you. And today we just want to love on you. We just want to worship you and lift up your name. As Sister Heather was saying, Lord, it's, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be here, to just be in your presence, Lord. And again, to just thank you for what you've done and what you mean to each one of us. God, we just are so excited today, Lord, to hear from your word, Lord. It's a privilege to hear your word. I pray, God, that it would just be nourishment to our bodies and to our souls and to our minds and to our hearts. And God, that your word would just settle in our hearts, Lord, and bring peace, God, that only you can bring, to bring comfort that only you can bring to bring deliverance, Lord, as we just sung about, that only you can bring. God, we're looking forward, God, to you just blessing your children today as we lift up your name. So, Father, again, we just commend this service in your care and ask that your precious and perfect will be done above all things today. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise as you take your seat. Amen, amen. It is good to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. As Pastor Key said, it's just, I've been looking forward to coming all week. Uh, I'm a little bit different, I guess. Strange, if you will. The title of the message today is Strange Things. And uh, I know I'm strange. I know that. I don't look like most people. And uh, I probably don't act like most people. And uh, it's probably strange that you and I have come here today to worship the Lord. At least in the world we live today, it's strange to find people still want to worship God. Amen. Can I get an Amen. Amen. And it is strange, but um, this passage of scripture here that God laid on my heart to to open us with here, we're going to be actually going to Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bible, want to go with us, place your finger on verse 17, if you didn't bring your Bible and for some reason you're one of the one persons in the whole world that don't have a cell phone, uh, but maybe you don't have it on your app, maybe you shouldn't bring your phone with you, but don't worry, we have a wonderful media team that will put this on the board behind me, amen, amen. But let me just give you a passage of scripture while you're going to Luke chapter 5. This is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Most of us know this passage. And be not, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. As I said to you, the message title today, I was actually studying and reading, and I came across this story. And it's a very familiar story that most of us know in Luke chapter 5. And this is where God dropped in my heart something. There's a a, a statement that's made at the end of this story that really just struck me as odd. And it struck me as odd because the people that said it, um, it surprised me that they would say it. It's not something that you would think they would have said. Because when you read the story, I'll give you just a little bit at the beginning. Jesus was in a particular area. Um, of in the Galilean region, if you will. It's northern Israel. And he was teaching. And it said he was in a house, and there were Pharisees there and these teachers of the law. 
So you had the Pharisees represented. You had the, the scribes who were the ones that kind of wrote the law, kept up with the law, studied the law, right? You had church people there in this particular house. Now, you had a lot of other people there too, but you had church folks there. and it was, So that's why it struck me as odd because that last passage says that when the day was done and when, 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 when what happened, what took place happened, they left there amazed, but they said, we have seen strange things. We have seen strange things. In today's world, it's strange, as I said to you, to see people come together and gather in a house or in a church building, right, and worship Jesus. It's something that we're not seeing as much anymore. It seems to be kind of strange. Um, one particular billionaire said that it was so strange to him that he didn't see any need to do it. He said it's not necessary. He didn't believe in God. His name is Bill Gates. Strange to see people come together and worship something that they have never seen. It's strange too, I guess, when you, you think about it today in the world we live today. It would be strange if, if we see a family that was once divided now put back together. We would say that was strange, unusual, because most marriages in the United States end in divorce, 50% of them, at least what we have documented. I would say it's probably a little higher than 50%. So it's strange when families are able to reconcile and come back together. I'd say we would think it would be strange, right, if all of a sudden we had bills to pay, we had no way to pay the bills, nobody to help us, and then all of a sudden... You, go, you finally get the money to pay the bill somehow, and you go to pay it, and somebody says, well, it's already been paid. And we would say that's strange. Is that right? We say it's strange for this, this, and this, right? There's a lot of things that, for us, we don't, we don't always understand. For instance, the revival that just took place, right, that we all heard about. Um, I believe it was in Kentucky. I forget where it was at now. Kentucky. And there were people running there from all over the world, right? It was strange to see that happen. It hadn't been just a few years ago that revivals were breaking out all over this country. It wasn't a strange thing to see. Today, if a revival breaks out somewhere, it's strange because we don't hear about it much anymore. Is that right? Amen. I would say it'd be a strange thing if you were at a funeral service and somebody stood up. The person in the casket. Is that right? We could say that would be a strange thing, would it not? Definitely. But it's happened all through history, right? We've read about it in the Bible, but it's happened in real-time history today, right? People, it's happened in other countries. But people say that's strange. It would be strange, right, to see something like that. So that's where the message comes from. So you go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And I'm going to give you the definition of strange while you're getting there. The definition of strange is this. It's, it's, it's something that is unusual or surprising, not something that is seen or something that is understood. That, was, that would be what we would call strange, not something that we normally see, something that we really can't explain, and we just don't understand it. And in that in the world we live today, if we can't understand it, then we just... We just we just act like, we, we just try to reason it away. Is that right? Because I can't understand it. It must not be what? True. Right? Well, every one of us, I don't always understand what I read on the Internet, but we believe everything we read on the Internet is true. Amen? 
And everything we hear and read on social media must be true because somebody said it. As the right Pastor Damien said Wednesday night. Not everything that we read on social media is true. Is that right? But that's what we do. If we don't understand it, then we just reason it away as it must not be true. Strange, right? That's strange. Weird. That's a word we still use today, right? When I was a kid, we, used, we still use it today, right? That's weird. Weird means something that's not usual, something that you hadn't seen before. Right? Kind of like, well, we won't call names. <laughs> I've seen some of y'all looking at each other. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. Let's pick this up. We'll get right into the message here today. Strange things. Strange things. Follow along with me if you have it in your Bible or on your app or on the, right here behind me. Now, Jesus had, Jesus had just been here in a particular area, and he had healed. He had done something strange. He had healed a man that had leprosy just prior to him entering into this house. He met a guy, the fellow said to him, Lord, if you will, please heal me. Now, don't you know Jesus thought that that was weird to hear the man say, if you will. Have you ever said this? If it's God's will, it'll happen. You ever said that? Now, think about that statement. Now, I'm going to say that to you because of what I'm about to say next. You are God's child here today. Is that right? And all good and perfect gifts come down from God. Is that correct according to the Bible? Right? All good and perfect gifts come from Him. And God loves His children. The Bible tells us that, right? That He loved us before we loved Him. God loves us. So as long as it is what we are asking is good, and it's something that we need, and it's, and it's something that God knows we need, and it's in His will, right? No question. Then God will do it for us. I think sometimes we say if it's your will, God... Because we don't want to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. But of course it's God's will to do good things for you. Amen? Of course it's His will to not withhold any good thing from you. The Bible tells us that. If it's within our power to do good, withhold it not. Why does He tell us that? Because God's not going to withhold anything that's good for you. Is that right? But we'll say to God, now Lord, if it's your will, uh, can you please, you know, you may have some, like this guy had leprosy. Of course Jesus didn't want him to have leprosy. He didn't want him to suffer, right? Because of this fallen world that we live in, it's a sinful world. So he said, Lord, if it's your will. And I imagine Jesus like, of course it is. Because Jesus' next statement to him was, I will. It is my will. So he, told, he healed him and told him. He said, now go show yourself to the priest. And that was according to the law that they had to do back in that time, right? That he could be let back into the, to the population of the people. Because if you had a disease like leprosy, you were, you were excommunicated from the area. You couldn't even be around people. But of course it's my will. So don't you think it was strange to Jesus to have people come up to him and say, Lord, if you'll heal me. Think about that. When we go to Jesus and pray, Lord, will you, if, you, if you'll heal me, well, of course he wants to heal you. Of course he wants to help you out of your situation. Of course he wants to help you through your addictions and through your anxieties and through all the things of life. It's not strange that Jesus wants to help us. It's strange today that we don't go to him for help. Amen? Is that right? That's the stranger thing. So Jesus had been in this area, and this fellow came up to him and asked him to help him. And, of course, Jesus did. Now we find where we want to go today. So Jesus is here in this particular place. In verse 17, it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. 
from all surrounding areas. They came to see this Jesus because he was what? Strange. Amen? Jesus was doing things in this time that the church had only talked about doing. Amen? Right? There was a lot of guys talking about what God could do, what the church could do, what they should be doing, right? All these things. But Jesus came and he didn't just talk the talk. He did what? He walked the walk. And so people weren't just hearing about the wonderful things of God. They weren't just hearing about salvation. They weren't just hearing about healing. They weren't just hearing about deliverance. They weren't just hearing about all these things. They literally were seeing it happen. And so Jesus, it says here, if you read back a little bit, he often would try to get away by himself to pray and to think, right, and to talk to his disciples. But wherever he went, inevitably somebody let it out and people found out about it and everybody wanted to run to where Jesus was. Why? Because he was a good-looking man and he was an eligible bachelor. No. They ran to him because they felt something different about him. Amen? When they were around him, they could feel the presence of this God that they've been taught taught about. They could see things happening that nobody could explain. And that it had to be coming from God because no man could do that. Remember, they even said that to Jesus. Nicodemus said that to him. We know you are a, that you must be from God because nobody can do the things that you do except you come from God. Is that right? So there were some strange things happening. And people always flock to those things that are strange. They want to see it. They want to be a part of it. They want to be around it. Case in point, the revival in Kentucky. Everybody wanted to be around it. Everybody wanted to see it. They wanted to, they wanted to see if it was real or not. They wanted to experience it, right? Because it was strange. It's not something you see anymore. So here Jesus was, and people from the surrounding area of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem were there. And the Bible says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And the Bible teaches us that if we lift up Jesus, He would draw men unto Himself, did He not? Amen. So if the presence of God is there and being lifted up, people are going to be drawn to it, isn't it right? Amen. Is that right? Just a caveat, it has nothing to do with the message today, but we wonder sometimes why our churches aren't as full as they used to be. There might not be the presence of God there that we think is there, amen? God's always going to be where He's wanted, but if we don't want Him there, He's not going to be there. Come on, somebody. Sometimes folks want to control God. We want to be in charge of the service. We want to be in charge of the word. We want to be in charge of the message. We want to be in charge of the, of, of the music and all these things. And Lord, we want you to just uh, show up and, and, and flatter us a little bit and give us a few goosebumps. But that's about as far as we want you to take it. Then we want you to exit the place and let us have it. Is that right? That's kind of what we see today. But where there is a true presence of God, people are what? Drawn. Amen? They're drawn if there is a true presence of God. And the Bible says that where Jesus was, that there was power of the Lord. It was present to heal everybody that was there. Behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. He was paralyzed. And they sought, men, uh, sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. When you go back and study this in the other books, it appears there are four of them. Four friends that decided to take this young man who was paralyzed and they were going to bring him to this Jesus that they had heard strange things were happening. Strange things like people being healed. And so they thought to themselves, well, why can't our friend be healed? So they just grabbed him up right in his bed and carried him to where Jesus was. Now, I didn't find anywhere where it said how far they carried him, 
But you know it was a little bit of a burden for him to get him there, no matter how far it was. When they could not, in verse 19, find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst, or his bed into the midst before Jesus. As I said to you, people always flock to that which is strange and they can't explain. And people from all over the region were there in this little old house. Can you imagine how packed it was? It took my mind back to us at, uh, at Holiday Church, right? And how it used to be with us there and we were all just jammed in there. Lord, if it had been somebody had an emergency, we'd have had to close the service. Because everybody had to move out of the parking lot to let one person out. We were just jammed in there. It was a mess. So it reminded me of that. And so I can imagine this place was just packed full of people. Jesus kind of being in the center of the room and people all around him and right up on him. And they were standing up around the walls and, and they were standing outside, pressed, just trying to hear, trying to get a glimpse of this Jesus, right, and what was going to take place. They were just hovering around and there was such a buzz in that area because Jesus was in the house. These guys ran thinking, we're going to get our, 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 our friends going to be healed. And when they get there to their dismay they can't even see Jesus they can't even get into him because so many people were there and it said when they couldn't get in they just didn't give up they went up on top of the house and they began to just remove some of the tiling that was there uh, historically back in that time the rooftops were flat they were really low ceilings and they were flat and they would take uh, sticks and branches and they would lay them across and then they would pitch it with mud all across the top of it and they would just do that in layers and that's how they had a, made the rooftop there and so when these guys had to literally they had to literally take and dig and pull and take all that stuff up and get it big enough that they could let this fella down through the roof and you can imagine everybody in the room is probably thinking what's that sound Jesus himself is probably thinking what's going on right but we probably know we know Jesus probably knew right but these guys spent some time trying to get this young man in there Verse 20, when he saw their faith, Jesus, he said to them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Is that right? You let God start doing marvelous things, and you'll always find somebody going to stand up and try to, try to talk bad about it, try to talk against it, right? You let a church start growing somewhere, it's like Pastor Keith said, Churches aren't preaching the Bible anymore. They're preaching against each other, right? They want to talk about what this church is doing and what that church is doing, and, and we ought not act like that church, but they're not lifting up Jesus. They're lifting themselves up. So here Jesus just tells the man, your sins are forgiven you. And immediately the church chirps up and says, who do you think you are? Is that right? Who do you think you are? You can't save anybody. And so these scribes and these Pharisees done this. And when Jesus, in verse 22, perceived their thoughts... He answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Why do you say these things? Is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say rise up and walk? Jesus asked them this question. But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power upon this earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch or thy bed, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Amen? We have seen strange things today. Strange. Is that right? 
Now, when I read this, I thought to myself, I've got to slow down and go back and read this passage and find out what did they, what did they, why were they saying it was strange? What are they considering strange? What would prompt them to say, we have seen strange, unusual things today, right? So I took time and I went back and I've read every single sentence, every single word, and I'm trying in my mind to think about what was so strange about what Jesus did, right? Because he told them he came to save that which was lost. Is that right? He came to, to heal that which was sick, to set the captive free, right? He came to be about his father's business. And everything that I read in this story, it's everything he said he was supposed to do. So I was really struggling trying to find what was so strange about this situation and why they would be leaving in such, in their minds and saying it was just strange. We, we can't understand it. We can't explain it. So here's some things that God gave to me as I was reading this. It's strange. They were thinking it was strange because Jesus healed somebody, right? And not, they weren't told to go to a doctor. It was strange. This man, these friends dropped him in, asked, him, asked Jesus to heal him, and he healed him. Right? He didn't tell him, I'll be praying for you. He didn't tell him to go see a doctor, although there's nothing wrong with seeing doctors. Parker, we, we need you. God gives doctors and nurses and technicians and all these people wisdom to help us, right? But Jesus, God still got to heal what they do. Amen? The body's not going to heal on its own. God's got to do that. Amen? And he gives them wisdom to do it. So I'm not saying we shouldn't go to doctors, but what I'm saying is, don't you think we ought to lift people up before the Lord first and ask God's blessing and his healing upon it? It was strange because I'm sure the church of the day would look at somebody with leprosy and say, oh, ain't no we can do for you. There's no cure for that, right? Remember, he just healed a man with leprosy. They just sent people out of the town. They just sent you away when something was wrong with you. What if Jesus sent all of us away whenever, every time something was wrong with us? Where would we be? They wouldn't none of us be in here. We'd all be outside the city. Amen? Because we're all strange, right? We all got problems. We all got issues. But it appears the church of the day, they didn't know how to deal with people. They didn't really have a true relationship with God. We know that when you read it because Jesus told them they were hypocrites. They had a form of godliness but denied the power thereof, right? And so it was strange to see that somebody could really go to God and they really could get healed. It was strange. But I want you to know today it's not strange. God still heals people. God's still in the healing business. He's still touching people's lives. He's still making a difference in people's lives. He still does those things. It still happens. But we got to be faithful. Amen. We got to trust God. We got to be his child. Amen. But God can still do it. It should not be strange for us to see somebody healed. Do you know that in some churches around the world, I'm sure, it's frowned upon for people to come up and ask for healing. Right? Because they don't want anybody to pray out loud. They, they just they think, well, don't, don't pray for them because if it don't happen, then everybody's going to doubt Jesus. They're going to doubt God. Is that right? How many church services have you been to where people are actually coming up asking to be prayed for anymore? You know, the Bible says that if there's one sick among you to call upon the elders of the church, Pastor Ron, as you said this morning, right, that they could lay hands on you, that you would be healed. Is that right? The Bible says that Jesus took 
stripes on his back in the book of Isaiah, pastors, you said Wednesday, that we might be what? Healed. So if healing is a strange thing, why did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus teach it? And why does the Word tell us to do it? Because it's God's will to heal us. Amen? It's God's will for us not to suffer. But it was strange. It was strange to them to see somebody healed. And it's strange today to see that too. We don't see that much today. It was strange because, as I said to you, somebody really got saved. They really did. Right? Preacher after preacher after preacher, teacher after teacher after teacher, right? We talk about people need to be saved. And, and, and we even have invitations for people to come get saved. But I think sometimes we fail to deliver the full message, and that is, right, it's not just about coming to an altar. It's not just about reciting some, some, some sentence that somebody says, repeat after me. Salvation is a true relationship with Jesus Christ that we can have if we surrender everything to Him and truly believe in Him and ask Him to come into our hearts and change us and forgive us of our sins and set our feet on, on solid ground. Amen? That's true salvation. It's when you realize that you have sinned against His Word, right? And we're not following Him. We're following our own selves. Or we're following the world. The world meaning sinful things. And it's when you realize that and you say, Gosh, you know, I'm not living the way I'm supposed to. It's when you realize that God really is God. And you say, i gotta, I got to make a change. My life is spiraling out of control. Anybody, anybody ever been there? You remember that? It just seemed like everything was going sideways or south and you couldn't get a hold of nothing. You couldn't get your feet on solid ground. Every time you looked up, you were down. Every time you looked down, you were still down. Amen? You just couldn't get anywhere. It was frustrating. And you just couldn't, you just couldn't get ahead. And you realized... It's me, right? It's me. And then you turn and you say, Lord, forgive me. And truly mean it. That's salvation. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. Amen? Christianity is not a, it's not a religion. I cringe when I hear people say, what religion are you? <laughs> religion, religious just means that you are, you are dogmatic about whatever it is you're doing, right? I can be religious about eating. Can I get an Amen. I can be very religious in the fact that I'm not going to miss this football game or that baseball game. I'm very religious in this, that, or the other. Religion just means, again, that's just what you do that you're just passionate about. But a relationship is much more, right, than just a habit. Come on now. A relationship with Christ is more than just a habit. It is a hunger. Amen. It is a desire and it is a passion to, to get to know Him and to serve Him. And to be with Him, not just now, but forevermore. Amen. It was strange that somebody got saved. And it was even more strange that somebody cared about that man's soul. Enough to give attention to him and spend time with him and energy with him and, and, and talk to him about his situation and lead him to God. Strange. It's strange. Right? That's what it, we don't see much of that today. We're too busy. We ain't got time, right, to help people. Now, I'm, I'm going to say something. You've heard me say this before, but as a pastor, it really irritates me. It's irritated me before I was ever saved, so I can, let me say that. Before I was ever saved and I was in church services, it really was, it confused me and it was strange to me 
that when somebody would come to the altar to pray, to seek God for salvation, and the service went a little bit long, people would get up and leave. I'm talking about people that had been serving God for a long time. People that themselves wasn't too far removed from being in that same situation. Amen? But yet they got up and left because it's time to eat chicken. Amen? I got beans on that I got to get there. If I don't get there, they're going to burn. Is that right? And not leave quietly, loudly. I'll see y'all later. I got to go. Let me know if he gets saved. Amen? Just going on out the door. I, that, has, that has bewildered me ever since before I was ever saved. I'm like, how can you leave when somebody is desperately seeking the Lord? That's strange. <laughs> Amen? But you, you let us, you know how we are. We get going a little bit. We'll stay here a little long. And there'll be folks leaving. And I'm thinking, what are we doing? Amen? Amen. People seeking salvation. That's, look, that's what it's all about. That's right. Amen. The number one thing that Jesus came for was that people would be saved. Amen. Saved. Saved means saved from eternal damnation because of our sinful ways. Is that right? He didn't come, number one, for your healing. He didn't come, number one, that you could have everything you want in life. He didn't come for all the wonderful things that Jesus can do and wants to do for us. He came that we would be saved. That's, right, amen. That's number one. And he said that if we would get saved and have a relationship with him, all of the things are added unto us. Right. Is that right? Yes, but it was strange to them that somebody really got saved. It tells me that the church of that day must have just been going through the motions more than they were actually having a relationship themselves and ensuring that somebody else does. Is that right? The greatest thing you can ever do with Jesus is give him away. Amen? Give him to somebody else. The greatest gift you can ever give is introduce him to Jesus. That's why he said, no greater love is any man than this, and a man would lay his life down for his friends. Yes, it encompasses a lot of things, but that as well. Life what? Jesus. Right? Lay that life down. Lay your life down. Lay your pride aside and give that same life to somebody else. Amen. Jesus. Amen? But we, we don't see much of that today, and they must not have. So it was strange to them. I'm thinking, why would they say it's strange? Because somebody was healed and somebody was set free from this bondage. It's, it's like when you watch the news today. People get upset at football games because somebody's praying for their child's safety. Let that sink in. That offends me. And I don't want you to do it anymore. What? Is that right? I'm, we're praying for their safety. Don't do that. But you let that little fella get hurt. And they call on somebody to do what? Pray. But you just told me not to pray. Strange, is it not? Strange. So why did they say it was strange? It was strange because somebody listened to Jesus actually obeyed him. Is that right? Somebody actually done that. You, you don't see much of that today. Is that right? Come on now. We don't always listen to Jesus. That's why we find ourselves over and over falling back in the same situations. Right? Well, the power of God must not be as strong as it used to be. Is that right? Brother Ron, the blood of Jesus has been, it must, it must just be wiped away. wiped away. 
it must just be diluted a little bit, right? You know, it's been a long time since that blood ran down the cross, so I'm sure it's getting a little dried up, right? I'm, maybe it's just not as powerful as it used to be. Is that right? People just ain't obeying anymore, and so they, they begin to reason. It's strange, and they begin to reason it away rather than obeying God. If we would just obey Him and follow in His footsteps and do what He tells us to do, because later in that verse when He says, No greater love has any man than this than a man would lay his life down for his friends, the next verse Jesus said was, You are my friends if you keep my what? Commandments. If we keep God's commandments, then He is obligated to honor what He told us He would do. But if we go to the left or to the right of what He tells us to do, then He's no longer obligated to help us. He might do it out of grace and mercy. But obedience is what he's after. Make no mistake about it. Amen? He says that, right? Obedience is what? Greater than sacrifice. So somebody actually was listening to Jesus here. It struck him as odd. It was strange that when Jesus looked at that boy and said, Get up, take your bed, and go home. He got up, took his bed, and went home. Is that right? That was strange to them. This man actually listened to Jesus. <laughs> it's strange to us as Christians that when you see somebody actually listen to what God tells them, it floors us, does it not? It, it really sets us back. When somebody comes to us, running up to us, and they're so excited because God answered their prayer, and, and, you, and you say to them, well, well, that's awesome. And they said, I said, well, what did you do? And they said, well, I just prayed, and he told me to do this, and I've done it, and he did what he said he would do. And I'm like, you know what I'm saying it shocks us when God does what he says he's going to do right that's why we call them miracles they're miraculous to us it ain't miraculous to God that's just what he does amen it's a miracle to us we sit back and go it's a miracle oh my gosh you know you mean it really works listen to me today church it this stuff really works amen what God said he can do he really can do it Amen? God really can do everything He said He can do. I promise you. I've experienced a lot of it. A lot of it I haven't. But there's a lot of it I've experienced. And when I can get my old ugly self out of the way and my old knuckleheaded mind out of the way and let Jesus do what He's going to do and just do what He tells me and not question Him, it just happens. Is that right? But it's strange to us, so we want to reason with Him, right? And then it doesn't happen. But here, these folks said, We've seen some strange stuff up in here today. And one of them was, he actually listened to this man. He listened to Jesus. Right? Like, like, he, like he's God or something. <laughs> of course he is. Strange things. Why was it strange? It was strange because this man, now listen, this is a big one. This man owned it. Amen? He owned it. He was accountable to for his own actions. When Jesus looked at him and said, take up your bed and walk, go, go to your home. He didn't look at the boys that brought him there and say, y'all heard him, get to bed. Is that right? He didn't put the burden on somebody else. Come on, church. He owned up to his own problems, his his own issues. And he finally took hold of them things. and, And Jesus said, son, you listen to me. You go get that bed. Get up. Get up from where you are right now. Quit just wallowing around in that mess you're in and go get that bed and go home. 
right? And don't you know Jesus says that to you and I? Y'all need to get out of that pity party you in. Get up and own your own problems and go take care of business. Amen? Is that right? It was strange. Strange that somebody would own up to their own problems. See, in the world we live today, everything that's going on in my life is somebody else's fault. Is that right? Somebody else's fault. I couldn't get to you, Jesus, because I'm paralyzed. Right? I couldn't get to you, Jesus. Imagine if these old boys would have got him to the door and said, well, we're sorry, old buddy. You can't get in there. There's no way in. You know he'd have been saying to Jesus when Jesus was leaving, well, they got me here, but they just abandoned me. Right? He wouldn't even be thinking about asking Jesus to heal him. He'd be complaining about the fact that they didn't get him in there before Jesus was leaving. Is that right? That's the world you and I are in today. It's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's, there's a reason for it, right? This person don't like me. This person don't help me. They're not helping me with my bills. They're not doing this, right? They're not doing it. God's not doing what it is. You hear it all the time. If we want God to do something for us, we got to own up to who we are and what we've done. I can assure you the Bible tells us that one day we'll stand before him. We'll give an account for things we've done. And you're not going to be able to say, well, that old fat preacher down there in Hodges didn't tell me that. You're not going to be able to say, my mother didn't, she didn't tell me that. Or this one didn't do this, or that one didn't do that. He's not going to listen to that. He's going to say, well, you knew better. Why'd you do it? It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Is that right? We got to quit relying on everybody else and start relying on ourselves to get us right with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And to listen to him and obey him. What he tells us remains the same as it's always been. Turn from your wicked ways. Is that right? He said, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and do what? Pray. Seek his face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then what did he say? I'll heal, I'll heal their land. Right? I'll forgive their sins. There is a right way to do things, but you've got to be accountable. You can't let everybody else shoulder your burdens. Right? He doesn't say bring, bring, bring everybody else's burdens to me. He said, you bring your burdens. Right? Cast them upon me. He wants us to carry our own burdens, our own problems to him and not give them to somebody else to do it. Amen? We've got to start accepting where we are and who we are and that not everything that happens to us is everybody else's fault. It was strange that this man actually, actually obeyed Jesus. He actually shouldered his own burdens. He was accountable. It was strange because... Someone was actually teaching the truth. Amen? These folks had gotten accustomed to listening to the Pharisees who twisted the word of God in order to better their lives. Amen? When you go back and read it, it was all about them being elevated. They wanted everybody to see them as high and lifted up. They wanted to hear them preaching on the street corners. Jesus rebuked them for that openly praying out where people with these elaborate prayers so everybody would think how smart and how intelligent they were and how close to God they were, right? These folks actually did that. But they didn't teach much of the truth as much as it had twisted it. But Jesus here was teaching the truth. He was quoting scripture that was written long before his time. He would stand up and talk to them about the Word of God and they, were, they marveled at it, how he could know it and quote it and, and, and how awesome it was to hear it. Look, let me just say this today. It was strange for them to hear the truth, the pure, 
unadulterated Word of God. In our society today, it is strange to hear the full gospel preached, right, amen, in truth, without it being touched by man, twisted, changed, all those things, right, uh, amended. You know, we're big on amendments. Everybody wants to amend this and amend that and change this and change that. It's antiquated. It's out of date. God really didn't mean that. How do you know? If you, if you talk to God, right? We don't just change God's word without God's consent. Is that right? But today we all want to change it. Churches, churches are getting with the bishops. Okay, how many bishops you got? Amen? It ain't God, right? You can't change God's word. He tells us that in the book of Revelation. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It's just what I want you to have. Right? Or people just, or, or if they don't change it, they just want to, they preach it differently so we don't hurt people's feelings. If your feelings never get hurt, you're never going to know you're doing wrong. Amen? It ain't the preacher to hurt your feelings. It's the Word of God. Amen? The Bible says it is sharp as a two-edged sword. Right? It knows how to cut right, cut right through all the junk, get right into the heart. Right? And separate what is reality and what's not as reality. That's when we feel conviction. Amen? The Spirit of God dealing with our hearts, that there's something in there not quite right. But if you don't know, right, if you don't know the truth, how are you going to live the way God wants you to live? The Bible says, how will they know unless a teacher teach or preacher preach? Amen. Amen? That's why he said, blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news of the gospel. Right? It's good news. Truth, preach the truth, teach the truth. It was strange to them when I look back at this because Jesus was teaching in this house and people were drawn and they were amazed that they were hearing. It was almost like it was French to them because they ain't heard much of it. People are still drawn to the truth, I promise you. Everybody, I hear people say it all the time. Oh, people don't want to hear the truth. That's not right. People want to hear the truth. It's whether or not we want to react and do what it tells us to do. But we want to hear it because God designed us to hear it. Amen? So it was strange to them. We don't see much of that today where the truth is actually being taught. It must have been strange as I look back at this to them. I was trying to find ways of why it was strange. It must have been strange because the presence of God was in the house. The Bible says, now he pointed it out to them that the power of God was present to heal them in this house. So it teaches me that there were times that the presence of God was not in the house. If he told you it was present now, then it must not have been at some other point in time. It's strange to people when they come into a church service and they feel the presence of God anymore. Amen? In some church services, we walk in and it's just as cold and indifferent and dry as it was when I walked out of the parking lot into the building. And as I left, we never really felt the presence of God. We never really, you never really felt him moving, right? People aren't seeking God anymore. People aren't truly worshiping God the way they should. And so the presence of God is not there. And when, as I said to you, when you start changing his word and you start just excusing him out of the place, he's not going to be there, right? His presence will be where he is wanted. So it was strange to them that the presence of God was there. The power of God to heal was in the house. I've been some places where I walked in and walked out and didn't feel like I didn't feel God at all. I saw a lot of choreographed stuff. 
but I really didn't see God. I didn't really feel God. You might have been in some of those places too. I hope it ain't one of them today. Amen? But the presence of God is what we desire. Why are we here? Why are we here if it ain't the presence of God? Why are we here if we're not seeking God? If we don't want Him to show up, we don't want Him to touch our lives, challenge us, and, 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 and bless us, and all these things. Why are we here? Right? We're here because we want His presence. We're here because we're looking for something like that to happen. Amen? We're looking for that. And I hope when it happens, it doesn't seem strange to you and you don't run out of the house. Amen? Amen. You know, when the power of God moves in some services, people leave. Mm. Hmm? Yeah. They leave because it's strange to them. They hadn't seen it. And because they hadn't seen it, it must be wrong. Sit down. Amen? And wait a while. And let's let God show you what's happening. Amen. When you feel like running, that's time you need to sit still. Because God's going to show you something you've never experienced. And He's going to take you to a whole other level in Him. Don't run from Jesus. Run to Him. Amen. Amen. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not God. Amen. So it must have been strange to Him that day because folks really, as I said to you, sought after Jesus. These young boys sought Jesus. They brought this young man to Jesus. They really went looking for Jesus. They really went looking for Jesus. As I said to you, the presence of God moving in a house is something you don't see much. But if we'll seek Him, what did He say? You'll find me. If you seek me, you will find me. These four fellows heard Jesus was in the house. They get this man and they follow after Jesus. They sought after Him. They had a hunger to get this young man to Jesus and they would not stop. Right? It was strange to, to these people to see somebody actually seek this man, Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, and them, they probably were sitting there going, why don't y'all seek us like that? <laughs> well, man can never do anything for you. It's God that can do it. Right. We're limited. We can do a few things, but it's Jesus who you really need. Right. Amen? And if you're truly a child of God, you're not going to be the one that you want to become to. You want to point him to Jesus. Amen? I told, I told him in our small group study here just yesterday, our pastors, we were sitting in there. I said, you know, if when, if when a church service is over with, somebody walks out of the place and says, boy, you know, that preacher just shelled a corn. Man, that was a wonderful word he preached. That good-looking preacher. You know, <laughs> you know he, 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 you know, and everything you hear is about how awesome the, the preacher preached, how wonderfully brought the word, then I didn't do my job. Amen? It's like I was told when I used to officiate high school football. The commissioner in the state of South Carolina, he, he would always tell us when we, when we got through taking our test and, and you had to sit there and he had to give you a big speech. You know, one of the last things he said, and I always remembered it, and it always stuck in my mind. He said, gentlemen and ladies, there was ladies there as well, he said, if we really do our job right, people never remember we were at the game. An official should not ever be remembered. If we do our job right, you don't even remember the officials who were there. Is that right? But you know them officials. They flag happy. Blow that whistle every 10 minutes, right? Throwing flags. Man, get tennis elbow for throwing flags. They want people to see them and know that, hey, I am the official. Is that right? Y'all going to talk about me when this is over with. Right? But as a pastor, 
and as a teacher and as a child of God, they should always see Jesus. They should never see us. Amen? Amen. Never. See what I'm saying? So it was strange to them that people actually sought Jesus rather than man. It was also strange to them, lastly here, that people didn't give up because they faced a little bit of adversity. Man, in the world we live today, it don't take much for us to quit. Is that right? It's almost like we teach our kids nowadays to just give up. Right? If you can't be first, just don't, just don't even participate. Is that right? Don't even get involved because they're just being, you know, you know, we all win. Is that right? Adversity promotes growth. Amen? I remember when I played Little League baseball, Little League football, all these things, I can remember really crying. I can remember sitting crying because we lost. And I can remember, you know, my mom telling me, you know, she did her best. She said, oh, come on, Mark, it's all right. It's just a game. And even as a little boy, I didn't believe that. It was a game. But look, I always told people I was born to win. Amen? And you're born to win. We ain't born losers. I hate that statement. You're just a born loser. That's a bunch of hogwash. Every one of us was born to win. I'm 54 years old. I'm about 40 pounds overweight. I ain't got no good air anymore. I got high blood pressure and cholesterol. Got a kidney stone in my left kidney. But I promise you, if you challenge me to a game of basketball, I'm going to try to beat you. <laughs> and if I can't beat you, I'm going to cheat. <laughs> I'm just being honest because I hate to lose. And any of y'all know me, know that's true. I cannot stand to lose. Y'all right. going to research with me, get ready. Yeah. I don't like to lose, right? I might lose, but I'm going to have my lip poked out, and I'm going to be pouting because I should have won. A little bit of adversity comes your way. That does, that's not a sign to just give up. Adversity should challenge us to press harder. Amen. Jesus never promised this road would be easy, but he did promise he'd be there with us. Amen. And if we would overcome, is a word he used. If we would persevere, is another word that he would use. To us, he said, if we will overcome and persevere, he would give, and he names all these blessings. Don't quit on God just because something difficult comes your way. Just because you can't quite get to Jesus in that moment, at least in your mind, don't quit looking for Jesus. These four fellows didn't give up. They didn't give up. They could have just sat him down and said, we did our best. And the world today would have said, boy, you sure did. You came a long way. You carried that old boy. You went above and beyond. You got him right there. It's up to him. Take it from there. And they could have went away feeling good about themselves. But he wouldn't have been healed. They took it to the next level. They were not satisfied. They went, they pushed until they got to him. Push. What would you say, Pastor Wednesday? Pray until something happens. Is that not good? Push. Pray until something happens. Seek until you get to God. Amen? Don't stop at the first sign of adversity. It was strange to them to see somebody go out of their way to get to Jesus. It was even stranger that they went out of their way to get to Jesus for somebody else other than themselves. Amen? We are in a, we are in a selfie world, are we not? It's all about me. It's all about I. It's all about number one, as old Toby said. Right? It's all about me. It's all about I. It's all about number one. Is that right? 
And that's true. It's a true song. But remember, greater love. We lay our lives down for somebody else. Press to Jesus yourself. Press to Jesus for other people. Don't give up. I've been praying for that old hard-headed man for 30 years. We'll pray another one. Don't give up. I've been praying for my son. I've been praying for my daughter. I've been praying for my healing. I've been praying for a job change. Lord, you know I need a job change before I kill somebody. Isn't that right? Don't quit praying. Keep seeking God. The answer is get to Him. Sometimes the journey is where you find the answer. Amen? When you're looking for answers, keep your eyes open because along the journey, you might just bump into the answer. Jesus may want you to go through those things in order to get to what He wants you to have. Because, you know, how many of you know that if, if somebody gives you $1,000 and you didn't have to work for it, how quick can you go through it? Yeah, real fast. My dad used to tore my nerves up, and I'm going to try to close here. He used to tear my nerves up when I was a kid. I think I told you all this. All the kids in high school were getting brand new. When I was a kid, I-Rock-Z was a big deal. Everybody's driving I-Rock-Z's. Everybody's driving all these things, and I'm, I'm driving a big old yellow bus. <laughs> my dad's like, I got good news. Got your vehicle. State of South Carolina provided you're going to drive the bus, son. Make a living doing it. <laughs> so he, he won both ways. He didn't have to pay me, a, he didn't have to pay me any kind of allowance because I was getting money to drive the school bus. And he didn't have to buy me a car because I was driving the school bus. <laughs> That's true. I drove it for two years. Sure did. That's when kids could drive buses. I don't know what we was thinking, letting kids drive buses, y'all. If y'all was on my bus, you are fortunate to be alive today. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. We used to race, and I'm going to stop there. Anyway, shortly after that, my dad, my dad said, I'm going to give you a car when I got out. It was a 1976 Cutlass Oldsmobile. Rusted top, thing was falling apart. And he said, drive it with pride, son. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm thinking, what have I done? I know you can afford that car, you know. And I had to sink my own money in it to get it fixed like it needed to be. And this is what he told me. He said, son, if I buy you a brand new car, he said, you'll tear it up within a year. And it might kill you because you ain't going to respect it and you ain't going to take care of it because you've got nothing invested. And at that time, I thought, well, try me. <laughs> you know, I was desperate. But he didn't. So he gave me this car and I had to work to save the money to redo it. I totally redid the car and I was proud of it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't burn the tires off of save my life. I wouldn't let nobody, I wouldn't even park close to nobody. Because I put my money and time into it. And so I did what he told me to do. And he's right. Sometimes when you face a little bit of adversity, the journey is where the blessing's at. Amen. The answer's found in the journey. Right? Don't give up at the first sign of adversity. Walk with Jesus. Trust Jesus. Seek Jesus. And it won't seem strange to you when you get the answer. Amen? Amen? It won't seem strange to you. Here's what I got. I'm going to read John 17, 14 through 16 for you. But I got this one little thing here. I want you to remember this if you remember nothing else. What others perceive to be strange, we as children of God should see as normal. Normal. Amen? 
we gotta, we got to take what is supernatural, it needs to become natural to us. That which is extraordinary needs to just become ordinary to us. Right? It's that which is unexplainable should be explainable to us as children of God. This is our Father. And everything He promised us that He would give us, He'll actually do it. It shouldn't be supernatural. It should just be natural. Because we're more spiritual than we are fleshly. Come on, somebody. Amen. Yeah, I know we're fleshy now. You can touch each other and see that. But make no mistake about it, you are more spiritual than you are physical. And the proof is, is when you die, this body will rot, but your spirit will never go away. Amen. We're more spiritual than physical. We need to start seeing it that way. That which is unexplainable needs to be explainable. Right? You with me? That which is extraordinary needs to just be ordinary. It's what our Father does for us. Is that right? Amen. It should be one of those things you walk up to somebody and they say, hey, my tooth's hurting me. It's killing me. And you just say, it's no big deal. Amen. Hey, my Father can fix it, right, Brother Ron? My Father, he talked about a, something that God's doing for him, right? Something so simple in his car, it don't cost but a little bit of money, but it would take him an awful lot of time to fix it. You think, oh, God's not worried about stuff like that. But he is, ain't he, Brother Ron? If it bothers you, he hates you to have a hangnail. Anything that bothers you, God don't like it. So you've heard people say before, well, I, I got this. I, I, God's too busy. He's got people dying of cancer. He's got people just lost their husband or their wife. He's got people that are just distraught. They lost their job. And all I'm asking is, is that a, my only problem I got, God, is my... My, my little actuator in my car won't close and open like it should, so I, everything's on defrost instead of coming to my face. So that's a, I ain't going to worry God with that. So we toil and toil and toil with it until we get down there and say a bad word and have to ask the Lord to forgive us. <laughs> and then we got to take it to somebody to fix it because we just messed it up. It's cost us $600 to fix it. And if we didn't ask God to fix it, we'd have kept $600 in our pocket. God's not too busy to meet your needs. Amen? It is not supernatural. It's natural to God. It's natural. John 14, or John 17, 14 and 16. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not what? Of the world? Even as I am not of the world. You are more spiritual than physical. 16. They are not of the world. Jesus says it again. Even as I am not of the world. We are spiritual. We belong to our Father. So it makes sense that we should go to our Father. Amen? It should not be strange for us to see obedience, healing, salvation. It should not be strange to us to, see the, to hear the truth preached and to preach the truth. It should not be strange to us. Things that normally should be happening in churches should not be strange. It's only strange because we're not doing it. Amen? Amen. You with me? And it, it's not strange that this man got up and walked. Right? It should be strange that he's still in the bed. If you're here today and you've got burdens you've been carrying, be accountable to those burdens. And just come to Jesus, and he'll take care of it. And you can walk out of here, and you won't even have to carry your bed. You just leave it with Jesus. Amen. Right? It's going to be strange if you leave here with the same problems you came in here with because it's natural for the Father to take care of that. 
it's unnatural for us to walk back out of here with it. He desires your burdens. He came to take them and to give you rest, he said. Amen? So the only strange thing is, is we got to carry you back out of here. Amen? That's the only thing strange. Pray with me if you will.